Welcome to the Power of Food podcast. We are so excited to bring you evidence-based nutrition information focusing on addressing the root cause for imbalance. Food has the power to help you achieve lifelong optimal health without the side effects of prescription medication. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. I am Stacy Seslowski, Functional Nutrition Registered Dietitian. And I am Leah Grace Barrick, Functional Nutritionist. Hey everyone, welcome to the Power of Food podcast. We're super excited to be here with our guest, Kaylee Frazier. Kaylee has been a registered dietitian for nearly 10 years. Kaylee spent most of her career as an outpatient dietitian before making the jump into the world of functional nutrition with a focus on fertility. As the owner of Kaylee Frazier Nutrition, Kaylee helps couples struggling with infertility to get pregnant naturally using food and lifestyle interventions. Kaylee is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin in Madison and completed her dietetic internship and master's degree from Mount Mary University. She's also a certified lactation counselor and helped to develop a lactation program prior to private practice. Kaylee's approach to nutrition includes a combination of intuitive eating and mindful eating in addition to functional nutrition and using food as medicine. She loves helping women feel their best by getting to the root of the problem and bring home a healthy baby. Welcome to the Power of Food, Kaylee. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, we're so excited to have you. This is a topic we haven't talked about in the podcast yet, but it's so important, especially for any of you out there who are thinking about getting pregnant down the line, are currently trying to get pregnant. So really, really excited to delve into this topic. And I would love for you to just start by telling our listeners a little bit more about fertility and nutrition and the relationship between the two. Yeah, and let me just start by by saying um, thanks for having me. But also, I think that it's just kind of interesting to note how I got to this spot in my career because I did make a pretty big jump from kind of a conventional um, outpatient to women's health fertility. And actually, just briefly, what happened? Uh, I have I I was dealing with some of my own stuff, like so many women were and just I wasn't getting answers that I wanted. And I started just kind of looking into what I could do with my diet, kind of just started trying to do anything to feel better. I was like fatigued, I was dizzy, I was losing weight, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling my best and I couldn't get an answer. And in this, I just stumbled across all this information about fertility and I was just absolutely floored that this wasn't a more talked about approach to treating infertility and helping women and couples really have babies naturally. Um, So that is kind of how I ended up getting into this niche and really loving every second of it. Um, I think when you start looking at fertility and realize just how common it is, one in seven couples struggle with infertility. Um, and of those 15 to 30% just get lumped into this category of undiagnosed or unexplained um, infertility. They can't find a reason why they can't have a baby. There's just something. Um, and then on top of that, having the, the recurrent miscarriages and um, up to 50% of re- recurrent miscarriages also just being unexplained. There's no, they can't figure out from a conventional medicine standpoint, what's going on. Um, so, so that I think is really why it's important to offer 
an alternative approach and using nutrition as a way to uh, impact fertility and get women and their partners um, pregnant more naturally when they're not getting an answer they want. Um, I also wanted to mention there is quite a bit of scientific evidence that backs nutritional changes to support fertility. And again, it just is mind boggling to me that it's not more discussed in any realm, really, that it's not offered as an alternative. Um, so vitamin D has been linked to fertility. Uh, ferritin have been, has been linked to fertility. And then there's you know, also other things like inflammation, uh, nutrient status, uh, uh, detoxification pathways, nutrient absorption and utilization. Uh, the list just goes on and on of different things nutritionally that could impact fertility and may help to explain part of these unexplained infertility cases when addressed from a nutrition standpoint rather than a medicine standpoint. That list is awesome. I, you know, you just think about all the different um, chronic conditions that we address in, you know, functional medicine, and they're all so similar. I mean, you know, whether it be fertility or just another chronic condition that you're struggling with, or even just um, uncomfortable symptoms, like that's the list. You know, it's inflammation, detox, nutrient sufficiency, all of those things. So we kind of just can use our functional medicine brains to, you know, to peel this apart. Can you walk us through, um, well, where do you even begin when you start to see a patient? Like kind of walk us through your process a little bit. Yeah. So of course I always start with just the diet, um, which is pretty obvious, but I, I start by getting a really detailed food journal. I like to know where they're at currently. I look at all the macronutrients, micronutrients, fiber, take a look at ratios of different, the, the types of fats that they're eating, pro versus anti-inflammatory fats. Um, I also really take a look at what their structure of eating is. Do they skip meals? Do they eat naked carbs? Um, when and how do they eat their foods that they, they're taking in? Um, and then with that, get started on just some foundational nutrition work with the Mediterranean diet. Um, that has this fertility spin, which of course I'll talk about. So I get everyone started on a Mediterranean diet. Of course, the Mediterranean diet emphasizes fruits and vegetables, um, heavy on the vegetables, really healthy fats that are anti-inflammatory. And um, it also emphasizes, of course, uh, plant protein. Now, one of the big spins for the fertility version of the Mediterranean diet is including a good amount of animal protein. Animal protein has gotten too bad of a reputation, if you ask me, especially when you're looking at it in the fertility lens. Um, so we do, do follow a pretty high protein diet, and I try and encourage a good protein intake from animal products. Um, so after we do all of this foundational diet work, then we can go a little bit further into some of the functional nutrition testing and personalize a bit more from there. Um, but really, we start by doing this foundational work for everyone across the board. Amazing. Yeah, I love the Mediterranean diet too. And, you know, it is so true that these animal products have been really vilified. And so much of it is sourcing, which I know you work on with your clients because it's night and day different than nutrient profiles um, with that. 
Do you use a lot of organ meats in your practice? Can you talk a little bit about organ meats and if you find them beneficial and, you know, how people can actually include them in their diet? Because I know people hear about like eating organ meats and immediately are often like appalled or it's just not common nowadays. It used to be more common, but um, do you have some tips for people to kind of slowly incorporate them or kind of sneak them in? Anything like that would be super interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole idea of eating organ meats or just that whole nose to tail kind of idea of eating um, an animal from nose to tail is really not common. We just focus so much on the muscle meats. Um, so yes, I do encourage including organ meats and the nose to tail eating, of course, especially with uh, the organ meats, the organic grass fed so that we get the higher uh, um, uh, healthy fat content and stay away from any pesticide or, you know, toxin exposures. Um, so what I usually suggest as a starting point for the head to tail um, or nose to tail eating is bone broth because it's just pretty accepted. It's not anything that's too repulsive. And if you make a batch, you know, a couple times a month, you can freeze it and then just use it and replace water anytime you're cooking. So if you're making quinoa or if you're um, making rice or anywhere that you're using water, you can just use the bone broth. Other people like to drink it as just a warm beverage in the morning. Um, so that's a good place to start. And then, of course, one of the other big ways to include liver is to buy it ground freeze it individually in like one or two ounce portions, like in an ice cube tray, and then throw it into um, any ground meat that you're using. If you're using ground beef, ground sausages, just throw it in and it just blends right in. You don't even know it. How have you suggested using organ meats? I feel like a lot of resistance is what I find with clients. So typically like supplementation, you know, honestly, I find that is typically the most like people are most open to that but similarly bone broth collagen using that kind of thing mm -hmm. um sometimes like it'll be like okay let's make some meatballs and do like two-thirds regular ground beef and then like a third liver switch up the ratio use a lot of herbs and spices salt mm -hmm. all of that so you're not like really tasting it so that can be helpful too yeah yeah there's um, a company called, it used to be, I think it's called U.S. Wellness Meats, but now like when you go to their website, it's called grasslandbeef.com uh -huh. and they sell like um, a Braunschweiger, I want to say, if I'm hopefully saying uh -huh. it right. And it comes like, it's, you know, you can, it comes already hundred percent prepared in this like, you know, rounds kind of package and you can slice it uh -huh. and to me, that has been the one that I can like really tolerate. I actually enjoy it. So, um, and it doesn't take any preparation on our, your own part. So I keep those in the freezer and kind of defrost them. Just like you were saying, I think that's a great idea too. What you were saying, kind of just keep little amounts and just throw it into your food so that, and, and enough that you can barely even taste it. Right. And, um, and use it that way. There's also um, this company called Epic. They, you know, mm -hmm. they have bars and and bites and things like that. And they sell like liver bites and things. So oh. that's another way to get it in like you know little snacky amounts. <laughs> Interesting. That's good to know. Epic. I'll yeah. look at that. Yeah. Um, so, what are your thoughts on the ketogenic diet for fertility? 
Yes. Oh, the keto diet. So <laughs> everything has a time and a place. I, I do truly believe that. And there are benefits to certain diets. But in my in my opinion, the keto diet is not beneficial for fertility, despite some studies that have shown it to have some some benefits. It seems like the benefit comes more from the weight loss rather than the nutrient profile that the keto diet provided. So a couple of the issues I have with the keto diet. First, I always have a problem when you remove an entire food group. Then you start running into nutrient problems. We need variety, especially when we're preparing to grow a human. So if we don't have variety, if we're cutting out an entire fiber-containing source of our diet, that's a problem. Um, the second problem I have with it is the keto diet isn't generally recommended during pregnancy. So why would you eat like you couldn't during pregnancy? Preparing for pregnancy, getting your body ready for pregnancy, you should be treating yourself almost like you're pregnant, in my opinion, um, so that when, when it does happen, you're fully nourished with all the nutrients that you would need even during pregnancy um, and beyond. So yes, I don't, I don't do the keto diet for pre-pregnancy or fertility. Um, I'm much more of a root cause kind of girl and following a keto diet will maybe get your results, especially if you lose a little bit of weight. And that's oftentimes correlated with fertility outcomes. But after you have, um, you know, some time has passed, you'll likely be back in the same boat, not having gotten to the root of what was really causing the issue with your fertility. Um, so it's not really my go-to ever. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, so no keto, but fat is still really important. So can you talk about your recommendations for yes. clients in terms of fats, how much, what kinds, all of that? Yes. Oh, fat. I love in talking about fat. It really is my favorite. Um, so fat too has been vilified. I think, you know, every macronutrient has gone through its stage of being the issue of, you know, in our diets, but in all reality, fat is so important for fertility because we use cholesterol to make every single sex hormone. I mean, that's kind of one of the foundations of um, women's health fertility um, practices or, you know, this knowledge that we're trying to share is we want to make sure that there is enough fat in your diet to power and provide the backbones for all of our sex hormones that we create. Um, so when it comes to fat, though, it is important to think about where your fat's coming from, what your ratios of fats are, and try and optimize the best sources of fat. So we do want to include the monounsaturated fats. That's what's usually talked about as part of the Mediterranean diet. That's things like olives, olive oil, avocados. Those are all really good to include. But we also want to include some saturated fats, so we don't need to cut out saturated fat 100%. Um, we do want some. Same with cholesterol. There's no issue with eating cholesterol. In fact, eggs are wonderful. Um, and then when we're looking at the, the polyunsaturated fats, balancing our ratio of the omega-3, which are anti-inflammatory, with omega-6s which are pro-inflammatory. The American diet, we tend to have way too many um, pro-inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids. 
as much as a ratio of 25 pro-inflammatory fats to one gram of anti-inflammatory fats. So one of the big things I work with clients is on balancing that ratio, really helping to get the pro-inflammatory fats down and increasing the anti-inflammatory fats to a better ratio, closer to one to one or one to four. Yeah, I totally agree. Even the part where you were just saying um, that saturated fat is okay. <laughs> you know, we've just had so many years of just thinking, well, there's a good fat and a bad fat and cholesterol and just so confusing. And fat is really important. It's such a, you know, and it's actually the, the, um, the foundation of creating our hormones. You know, cholesterol is the right. foundation of our hormones. So we need these uh, nutrients. So we've kind of talked about proteins and we've talked about fats. Can you now talk about maybe carbohydrates? And you know, that's another food that everyone's like, we need to keep cutting our carbs and cut carbs out of our diet. And you know, what how do you what is your approach with that and you know, controlling blood sugar and that all of those kinds of things? Yeah, I think you just said a really important part of the whole carbohydrate picture, which is controlling blood sugar. So that is a big part to the fertility picture. So when even before someone is diagnosed with anything as close to diabetes or even pre-diabetes, our bodies can still be on a bit of a blood sugar roller coaster. And of course, we have enough insulin present in our, in our blood to manage it so it doesn't show up as any sort of disease or anything that even would be picked up on any sort of blood test. Um, minus maybe an insulin level, but that usually isn't checked um, by conventional medicine. Um, but that being said, we still want to prevent any blood sugar spikes and the extra throwing out of uh, insulin into our bloodstream. All that extra insulin in our blood takes care of the sugar, so we don't show up as having high blood sugars, but the extra insulin is still problematic for our fertility for ovulation and for keeping testosterone really in check. So we want to keep blood sugar balanced um, as much as possible. We do that by keeping carbohydrate intake overall balanced too. So definitely don't ask anyone to cut out carbs. Like I said, no keto, no Adkins, we want carbs. We just want them to be in the right portion and paired correctly with a protein or a fat food. That will help to give our body time to process it correctly without making our body create this huge insulin spike to take care of it before creating a, an un, uh, unnecessary spike. So the carbohydrates I usually gravitate towards are carbohydrates that are minimally processed and carbohydrates that are fiber containing. So for example, whole grains, beans, um, lentils, fruits um, are some of my, my go, oh, potatoes. Potatoes are great. I hate when people tell me potatoes aren't good. They're great. Excellent source of potassium fiber. Um, so potatoes are great. That whole like, don't eat anything white rule makes me cringe. <laughs> 
totally agree with that. We're very, very aligned in our approach to nutrition and fertility, which is great to hear. Um, there's just so much more nuance than people like to hear, want to hear. And so it's just so important that people understand these things about the carbs and about the quality and the blood sugar and all of that. So we've talked about protein. We talked about fat. We talked about carbs, all of these things that are really important. Those are kind of your foundations of that fertility diet you were talking about. What do you do after you've worked on the basic nutrition stuff with clients, um, after you kind of have that solid foundation? Yeah. So of course, nutrition and getting that foundation in place is, is critical. Uh, after that, we, we do look at several nutrition tests to take a look at micronutrient status to really pinpoint where we need to support with good nutrition, um, targeting specific nutrients. Um, we also look at gut health. Is there any inflammation, um, malabsorption issues that's causing, causing problems that we can address? Um, we take a look at hormones. I use the Dutch test, which is quite popular, and take a look at hormones. That will give us a picture, too, about what's going on with um, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, cortisol, how your stress response is. And down each of those rabbit holes, we start personalizing the approach even more. So with specific nutrients and then lifestyle interventions, too. If someone has a high cortisol how can we address that? If someone has a low cortisol, how can we address that? So it's really from there going quite individual um, to, to make a plan that fits uh, their needs. I also do teach tracking of the menstrual cycle and use the menstrual cycle um, as an important source of data too, for what's going on, taking a look at luteal phase, basal body temperature, cervical mucus quality, and um, depending on what we see in the menstrual cycle, also providing the correct um, targeted nutrients or lifestyle interventions to help uh, get that looking the way it should to support a pregnancy. Those are all like the, the factors I was wondering. I was really wondering about, you know, the type of testing that you do and how you track a person's menstrual cycle and whether they're ovulating. Um, but what I love is that a lot of times what you were mentioning before, like the gut health and the inflammation and the, and the diet, those are the root causes. And then hopefully like hormones can fall into place. Once mm -hmm. you address those other root causes. So thank you so much for sharing this information today. I know our listeners are going to really find this valuable. Um, do you have kind of three actionable things that our listeners can do to kind of starting right away um, to help them improve their fertility? Yes, I would love to give that uh, right now. So the first is I would say that a majority of the women I talk to are under eating. Um, and that's just in terms of either total calorie intake, uh, like um, not eating enough overall energy, or the other way we can uh, kind of classify it uh, under eating is not eating nutrient dense foods. So eating enough calories, but a lot of processed foods that are devoid in a lot of the key nutrients. So that is tip number one, is just starting off and maybe taking a step back. And if you're always feeling hungry or on the flip side, if you're never feeling hungry, it might be a sign you need to eat more. 
Um, so that is tip number one is to definitely take a look at overall intake. Um, make sure you're eating enough. Um, the second thing that I would suggest for anyone who's looking to do this is, is start planning meals where you always are eating your carbohydrates with a protein or a fat. If you're not sure what a protein or a fat is, um, you could certainly reach out to any of us and I'd be happy to help discuss it. Um, but making sure that anytime you're eating a carbohydrate rich food, you have a protein or a fat, and that's going to help again with the blood sugar balance. And it includes snacks. Sometimes people feel like snacks are like free, you know, you can eat, <laughs> doesn't count, but really, <laughs> even if you're having like a small snack, um, have it with a protein. Um, and then lastly, I think this is really important, and that's to give yourself some grace. With any changes that you do to your eating habits, especially when you're in the midst of wanting to have a baby and it's not happening, know that nothing has to be perfect. What we're aiming for is small changes over time that ultimately become really big changes. And that doesn't mean that you can never have a slice of pizza again. It doesn't mean that if you miss, you know, a nutrient one day or, you know, you just don't have any vegetables in the house and it was just a crazy week and life's whatever that you failed. So we're not looking at one day or one meal. We're looking at what's happening over the course of weeks and months. And if you're making strides over those larger periods of time, that is huge. Much more than a single day could, um, you know, devoid any of the work you've done over a lot of time. Amazing. I love all of those tips, especially number three, super important. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kaylee. Can you tell our listeners how to find you, how to reach out to you and where the best place is uh, if they want to schedule something with you? Yes. So my website is Kaylee, K-A-Y-L-E-E, Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, nutrition.com, KayleeFrazierNutrition.com. And um, my uh, Instagram is also a great way to reach out to me. It is feeding.fertility.rd. And you can certainly reach out to me at either of those. Um, I will say um, part of my program and what I aim to do is really know everyone that I'm working with. So because of that, I keep numbers very small. And um, it's just because I want to fully 100% support the families that I work with. So I do take um, I do take uh, like a matching kind of criteria quite seriously, and um, I would love to know if we would be a great match to work together because uh, there'd be nothing greater um, to me than being able to support families on their fertility journey. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today, um, and thanks everyone for listening. And see you next time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode helpful, we'd love if you left a rating and review and shared it with someone else who would find it helpful. You can find more information about Leah at gracefunctionalnutrition.com and get in touch with her through email at leah at gracefunctionalnutrition.com or on Instagram at gracefunctionalnutrition. To find more information about Stacy, you can find her at healfromfood.com email her at stacy at healfromfood or on social media at healfromfood. See you next time.